0: Good morning. It's good to see you guys. I feel like I've been away for a long time, and I guess I have missed some some Sundays. But uh, it's good to be with you. Um, Turn in your Bibles if you have them to Acts chapter ten. That's where we're going to be today. And if not, it's going to obviously you know it's going to be on the screen. Um, But uh, we'll be looking at Acts chapter ten and eleven. I really appreciate the prayer Justin just prayed. I kind of want to just tag on this. and you know, we just saying that we will make room for God to do whatever he wants to do. That's, that's, a big, that's a big thing to say. That's a big thing to sing. That's a big thing to, to say that I'm actually going to do this. God, I will make room for you to do whatever it is you want to do. So I want us to just take a moment, very, just briefly, just in quiet prayer on your own. And let's go, did, did, I, did I mean, did, did, if, if I sang that just now, if I was singing that with, with everyone else here, like, did I mean what I just sang? God, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Let's, let's pray about that for a moment. Father, that's a that's an intimidating prayer. But I pray that that is the desire of our hearts, or even just the beginning step at the desire of our hearts. God, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. So that means I whatever was on my mind, weighing on me. Lord, I, I set that aside because I'm making room for you in my mind. Whatever is in my heart, maybe something that's wonderful or something that is breaking it. Lord, I, I make room in my heart that whatever those ec- outside exterior things are that that have a place in my heart, though though very important, in many cases, Lord, I I don't let them take up all the room of my heart. I make room for you to move, to do whatever you want to do in my heart right now. What are my thoughts, my heart, my very, very being? I make room for you to do whatever you want to do. And in the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. So we have been making our way through the book of Acts. And um, today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 10 primarily with a little bit into Acts 11. And I mean, we're covering both, but a good portion of Acts 11 is Peter repeating what we're about to look at here in chapter 10. Um, and so uh, let's just jump in here. I'm going to start reading here in verse 1 of Luke 10. It says At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his, all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So he's kind of got it going on. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear, which any of us would. What is it, Lord, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa... To bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll stop there for a moment. This is... Whether you realize it or not, this is very significant in the story of Acts. Actually, from, from Genesis 1 up here to Acts chapter 10, this is incredibly significant. We miss it. We don't get it. We don't understand the context. Briefly, I will try to help us get it a little bit more. For the first time in Scripture, we have an account of the gospel Going out to a Gentile household, Cornelius, a non-Jewish household, someone who is not part of the 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 chosen people. One, from from uh, Acts chapter one eight, when Jesus said, "You're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth." Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria had Jewish people in it, and that's where the, the thrust of the gospel was going. Here we have a very intentionally set up to where God has intervened, and he's like, I want you to go to this house. It's not a Jewish house. Okay, this is, He's coming to Cornelius and saying, hey, send for Peter. Send for this guy, Peter. He's got something you're going to want to know. All right, so now I also want to point this out. Because when you read about Cornelius, one of the things you might notice is, you, like I said, he—it seems like he's got it going on. All right, he's devout. He prays regularly. Verse two tells us um, he—he's—he's he's gives. He's generous and all that, but he doesn't yet know Jesus. He doesn't yet know Jesus. We might just assume by reading this that oh, he—he's already—he's uh, already in. He, but he doesn't yet know Jesus. And honestly, this is nothing different than today. Nothing different than today. There are, there are those who are sincere people. There are people who are incredibly generous with their lives and with their resources. Um, there are people who believe, like I, I once believed this for sure, oh, there is a God, obviously. Oh, there's a God, but it ended there. It wasn't, and then there's, you know, there's a Savior, there's a Messiah. It was just obviously there's a creator who set all this in motion and look at the beauty of the world and look at people and how intricate they are and all these things, and obviously there's a God. There, this is no different. This is where Cornelius was. There's a God. He knew the Old Testament God. He didn't know the God that brought a Messiah, a Savior. And so there's really nothing different than today. All the morality, rule following, which we definitely know Old Testament faith has going on, right? Even There's all the morality and rule following and generosity. It, it comes up short until it leads you to the gift of God, which is Christ Jesus, eternal life, redemption, restoration through Jesus Christ. And so... This, just as much as Cornelius needs this in Acts chapter 10, friends, that might be where some of you are today that you don't even realize it. Like, you are sincere, and you're generous, and you believe there's a God, but you have yet to connect the Father God, creator of the universe, and the saving God, the Messiah, through Jesus Christ. Cornelius needs this message, and you might need it, too. Now, so God is, he's up to something, obviously, right? He, he, an angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius and said, go and send for this man. Cornelius, no. I have a hard time saying Cornelius, by the way. Cornelius, no. Can we just call him corn? No, that's weird. All right, so Cornelius has, he knows this. He, he knows that he's sending for someone who is a, a Jewish person by, by heritage and by faith and even though he's an apostle of Jesus, he knows, like, this person is, is in with the Old Testament people. But he's not. So he knows something hap- is happening. God is working this out. Okay, let's go to verse 9. Okay. About noon the following day. So Cornelius sends some of his men, as the angel said, for Peter. And uh, about noon the following day, as as they were on their journey and approaching the city... Something else was happening at the same time. This is, this is how God works. This is how the Holy Spirit works. Okay, um, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, so he's praying, he's hungry. There's a meal being pre- prepared downstairs, I'm assuming. Right? While this was going on, he fell into a trance. He saw... So he's having now a vision. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. All right? So you see this this large sheet let down by the four corners, all right? And and so <laughs> And it contained all kinds, we, see we miss the context of this. This is why I'm giggling to myself right now. I'll let you in on my little, like we don't get this. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. This is not kosher. This is not what Peter eats on the regular okay, what's being prepared for him downstairs meets all the laws and the requirements to continue to be clean and holy and presentable to the Lord. Even though Peter is, he's an apostle, he's already come through so much He's, he's denied Jesus. He's repented. He's like, You're the one. And now, you know, Jesus even told him, I'm going to start the church with you on this on, well, upon you. I'm going to help carry out the, the gospel. This is what's going to happen. All this Peter's gone through, but he is still living a life that is devout to the law, okay? And so when this vision happens, it's like basically a, a, a giant, you know, tarp type sheet containing everything that, you're, that, that a devout person isn't supposed to eat. Okay, that's, that's the context of this, if, if, if we, when we miss that. All right? So here comes the command, verse 13. So he, it's all this unclean food in front of him. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. We don't, we don't, we're in South Georgia, man. We're like, okay, (laughs) you know, like that's what you do. (laughs) Like Peter doesn't do this. This does not happen in his life. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, so this statement, he's this, he's, um, well, let me finish. I'll read it real quick. His response, get up, Peter, kill and eat. His response, surely not, Lord, surely not. Now, again, do we miss that? Do we miss that response? Do we miss what's happening there? Peter replied, "I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. I am I am good. I follow your law. I I only do what what, you know, all they had was your law for food and what was in imp- Good, that's all, nothing bad has ever touched my lips. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Peter sometimes, he works in threes, have you noticed this? Or God works in threes with Peter. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not, I mean, this had to have been like a very chastising way. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This is revolutionary, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. It's revolutionary to Peter's mindset. Because Peter had a constant running list in the back of his mind of what was clean and unclean. Always. Every moment of every day of his life, from birth what is clean and what is unclean what is appropriate <coughs> i will stay right here what is appropriate what is not what is good what is bad what will honor god what will make god angry with me this is constantly can you imagine that constantly in the back of your mind but this is this is what peter knows And so this voice spoke to him says, don't you call anything impure that God has made clean? So obviously God's making something clean that that previously was not. God is doing something. He's making something clean that previously was was not or that Peter believed was not clean. And verse uh, 16, this happened three times. Three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back. To heaven. Now, there's an apostle filled with the Holy Spirit, yet present in his life is this massive legalistic mindset. So this devout Jew, as Peter had been taught since birth, right? He's n- nothing to do with this. You know, he was to the point, like many, like all that were devout, if they came in contact with something or someone that was unclean, they would immediately go and wash. Like, so it's, it's a, it doesn't make sense for Peter to get this instruction. But this is what the Lord is saying. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. So there's this legalistic prejudice. There's this, you know, there are things and there are people that are unclean, God. And this is the moment. This is the, the moment that changes everything. Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem and tell people about Jesus. Fine, because there's a lot of clean people there. Judea, yep, there's some there too. Oh, Samaria, yep, even there. But Jesus said, and to the ends of the earth. Well, there's a whole lot of people to the ends of the earth that know nothing of the Old Testament law, know nothing of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They too, them as well. This is the beginning of that. And and we stop and think about. It. I think I've mentioned this before. You and I. I mean, probably I don't. I don't know all y'all's backgrounds and stuff. But I'm guessing a good 99% of us are are part of the the Gentile heritage. Right. So so this is what get up, Peter, kill and eat in verse 13. It's radical for Peter to hear this. It probably seems blasphemous to him. But even though God's commanding it, which is so ironic that he is so legalistically focused on what is right and good that even when God tells him, I want you to do it differently, what you think is unclean, I I say is clean, he's like, oh, I don't know, hold on a minute. I mean, that's religion right there, y'all. That's religion minus, you know, the presence of God, the work of God, the work of Jesus. That's religion right there when your religion overrides the command of God. Hmm. So it's, it's radical for sure. It might seem blasphemous, and it's certainly socially and just, you know, in culture unacceptable. A devout Jew doesn't kill and eat unclean things. It doesn't go, in, you know, he doesn't know yet that he's about to go somewhere. God's already working on this. Okay, so Peter, whether he realized it or not, he argues with God. You know, you can't, that, that whole surely not God, God probably says, well, first of all, my name's not Shirley. I was just saying, if you're paying attention. Um, you know, you can't say no to the person that you call Lord. Not if they're really Lord. If they're really Lord, then you don't say no when they say, do this. So there is a, there's, a, there's a problem here. There's a conflict here in Peter's response. Surely not, Lord. Well, is he Lord? then then surely, then whatever he just said, yes. But isn't that how we respond sometimes?, well, this can't be, but it is. But it goes against but it is. So this inconsistency that we find in Peter, many of us experience as well, we can find ourselves continually arguing with God, even telling him, no, I know what's best. From experience and all these things, this is what I know to be true. But God rebukes Peter three times. You know, with this legalistic mindset of Peter, God, God is working on it. God is preparing Peter, He's preparing him. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, you don't have to turn there, I think it'll be on the screen. But you know, one of the things that Jesus said He came to do um or that we know he did he removed barriers he removed the things that separated us not not just from god but from one another he said in verse 30 of Matthew 12 he said whoever is not with me is against me so when you look in acts and 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 he peter is told i want you to do this and peter's like surely not Well, suddenly, Peter's not with God. He's now speaking as if he's against him, which is why he gets rebuked. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And you can deeply examine your life and your motives by that one verse. If you call yourselves a follower of Jesus, am I with him? Is, does my does my life does the way I practice my faith and live out my faith does it gather am I gathering others towards jesus or does does the practice the way I'm living my faith actually push people away or 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 cut people off which is what Peter was trying to do oh well, surely not God <laughs> Lord no so the great lesson that that God is teaching Peter setting preparing Peter for was that the gentiles were to be accepted by God. It was no longer just for the Jewish people. Look at verse 19 of in Acts chapter 10. This is like an understatement of the century. While Peter was still thinking about the vision. <laughs> I mean, if you just had a vision from God like you know, you're pondering this too, right? As he was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. You notice that the, this, uh, as the Spirit speaks to Peter, it's not like three men who are from uh, Caesarea and they're not Jewish people and they're considered socially unclean and you wouldn't be seen with them. He didn't tell them that. He's just like, three men are about to come to your door. Don't hesitate to go with them. I've sent them. So he just was told, don't you dare call something or someone unclean that I say is clean. And I've just sent some people to you, and they don't look like you, they don't dress like you, their heritage is different, they don't practice like you, but you do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them to you. Don't hesitate. So we start to see that the walls are breaking down. What did we sing right before the message? We surrender, right? Jesus, have your way. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Peter's the ground of Peter's tradition is getting shaken up here. Break down the walls of all my religion. And then we sang, you, you might have sang this if we meant it as the other, your way is better. Your way is better, God. Whatever you're doing, your way is better. Your way is better. You know, you start out this reading of chapter 10 and you think, oh, I sure hope we can help this Cornelius guy. But honestly, the one who God is working the most on is Peter. And that's something for us to realize If as Christians is, you know, God, is your way better? Are there things in my life where I'm going, surely not, Lord? like, no, I want, I, I want to use you. I want to, I, I, I want to work through you. I want people to know me through your life, through your actions, through the way you are living. I want to do this through you, Peter. Because obviously, Cornelius is like the, the soil is ready to receive. He believes in God. He's been praying earnestly. So, like, the, the opportunity for the gospel to be presented to Cornelius is there, but is Peter ready to bring it? And at first, he's not. So God's doing the work in Peter here. So, two worlds are about to collide, right? The, the world of a Jewish apostle of the Messiah and the world of a Gentile, God-fearing Roman military guy. Right? They're about to come together, and what brings them together is the work, the Spirit of God, the grace of God. Right Through the work of the Holy Spirit, it's going to interact, has already started to, and intervene, has already been working in this. And it's a pivotal moment. It really is a milestone in what we know as redemptive history. Because now we're part of the story. Now, verse 27 um, so now they're in Caesarea, okay? they're they're there. they they came, the three guys came from Caesarea. They went to Joppa, They got Peter, and now they're going um, back. And it says this um, talking with him, Cornelius, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, I love this. He's like just telling them what they kind of already know. But maybe it's for him. He's kind of nervous. I don't know. He's like, now you're well aware. You're well aware that uh, it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. There is nobody that the gospel cannot reach. There's nobody. And then Cornelius shares his experience that we read about, where the angel called. So Peter's like, so tell me what happened. And Cornelius is like, an angel appeared, told me to call for you, to send for you. And then in verse 33, Cornelius says, so I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come, which who knows how Peter was. He's probably like, sure, no problem, <laughs> you know, even though he had that little wrestling match with God, but... It was good for you to come. Now, we are all here. I love what he says. Now, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every. he accepts from every nation the one who fears him, And does what is right. This is the beginning of it, friends. God shows no partiality. God has no favorite people. He has no favorite foods anymore or favorite places. He is for all who call on the name of Jesus Christ. And he wants Peter to share this with them. And so Peter does. Oh, he does. This is revolutionary. This is why you and I are here today. Because this became possible for us All of this perfectly aligned so Peter could share the gospel. He appeared to Cornelius. He appears to Peter and has to shake him up, break down those walls of tradition and religion so that he is prepared to share this. And then he shares the gospel. And I want to read to you verses 36 through 43 and hear the gospel message presented again. Peter says, you know, because they had heard about this, They'd yet to believe. He said, You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So imagine Peter speaking this to this room full of people at Cornelius' house who are hungry for truth. They wanna know and they're hearing, they're like, yeah, we heard what Jesus did for God's people. We heard what Jesus did for the chosen people and they're hearing this and can you, it's like building, like you know this, you know this. Verse 39, we are witnesses. I, let me read verse 38. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. We know that. Everyone knows this story. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. And he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And he says in verse 43, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter just lays this out. Here it is. It's the simple facts of the gospel. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, he's the one. We followed him. We are witnesses of this. When you believe in him, there's forgiveness of sins. When those who believe in him get forgiveness of sins. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, so the Holy Spirit was working on them as the gospel was being shared. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, right, that's the Jewish people, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. See, previously this only happened to the Jewish people. All the disciples were Jewish people. So it was just for them. And then Peter said, verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. They wanted to hear more. They wanted more teaching. They want to understand. But in that moment, that everything changed. Transformation happened. They heard the gospel and they responded. They believed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized. This is the gospel. This is life. This is what it's all about. This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus died. This is why he rose again. All of this. This is why the Holy Spirit came and empowered those who believe in him so that they would go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth so that the name of Jesus Christ would be heard and believed in and lives would be changed. It's a message for everyone. And wouldn't that be a great message Ending to this account. (laughs) Turn quickly to chapter 11. We're not going to go through the whole thing. Much of chapter 11, as I said, is Peter retelling what we just read in chapter 10. But the reason Peter is having to retell this in chapter 11 is because in Jerusalem, there were some Jewish believers, leaders of the church, who were not happy that Peter... A Jew would associate with Gentiles, with uncircumcised people, with people who didn't follow the law, with people who were unclean, right? Their, their prejudice, their, their bigotry had not yet been shattered and broken down as Peter's had. And so Peter's having to defend his going and sharing and associating with the Gentiles. And this is what he says in verse 15 as he is you know, presenting to, to the church, church leadership. He says, as I began to speak to them, the Holy Spirit came upon them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. And then he quotes. He says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, this is Peter still speaking to the people. He says, if God gave them the same gift that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Who was I to think? And he wasn't just saying, like, I would never stand in God's way. He was like, man, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way when I said, surely not, Lord? Like, he knows. Who was I to think that? So you don't think that way either. And so, thankfully, the response of the Jewish believers, the Jerusalem believers, the only godly response really possible upon hearing this good news, this is how they respond in verse 18. When they heard this, They had no further objections, and they praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Again, friends, we miss the the meaning of this in its depth. We do, and, and I do as well, but like, this is the beginning. This is for all. From this point on, the apostles, they went out to Antioch, and they began preaching the message of Jesus to Gentiles. And guess what? Antioch ends up becoming pretty much like the center focus of the church in many ways, right? It's This thriving new community starts to build there. It became a significant center for, for the Christian movement. So this was a, such an important step in the, in the global spread of Christianity. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. The acceptance of all people into the faith. It was a you you under you see Peter's struggle there briefly. This was a radical departure from the exclusive nature of of the the Jewish faith. It was it was just we're God's chosen people and He's our it's exclusive. It's just us and God and we're all for God and God is all for us and no one else. And this this shattered this. So it became it paved the way for Christianity to. To go beyond everywhere, transcend everything. Now, I want to remind you of the foundational verse of all of this. It's all the way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It is the foundational verse for it all. When the risen Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going, I'm going back to the Father, my work is complete, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when you look at at the book of Acts, Acts chapters 1 through 11, a little bit of 12, they cover Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But now we're getting into the ends of the earth. Chapters 13 through the rest of this book, chapter 28, you'll see to the ends of the earth starting to happen. So... I want to, as we're going to pray here in a moment, I can ask the band to go ahead and come out. You know, when we look at the ends of the earth, we're part of that. We are part of that. And it's not just like, okay, good, I'm glad I got it. That's that's not how ends of the earth works. Because he's talking about like how God wants to work in the lives of people, right? It's not just about geography. So you might be going, whoo, I'm so glad that I'm part of the ends of the earth. I'm part of the people of the ends of the earth. Yes, rejoice in that as a follower of Jesus, but there are others who have yet to hear. There's even, there are others who are sincere, like Cornelius was, and they're just like, I believe there's a God, but i got to know more. Would you tell me more? And, um, but then there's some who are like, I don't know anything. We need to be prepared and, and go, I want to be able to live my life in such a way that, that people know Jesus Christ in my words, in my actions. I want to live this out. There are others who can know. You know, over the next couple of weeks, I, I, I've been working ahead on a lot of these messages and there's so much, I say this every year, you know, January tells us it's the beginning of a new year, but for most of us, it's like August. It's, it's a new year, it's a new semester, it's, you know, if, if you've got kids or you're teaching and all that, like everything, it, it's, it feels new, right? August is like the other January, right? It's, and so I'm thinking about this and, and looking at what's ahead. In Porch Community, there are, there are opportunities. I'm going to tell you more next week. But there are, there are ways in which we can live out the gospel. Things that we can do here in the church, of course. But I mean in our community, in Lowndes County, in South Georgia. There are opportunities where God wants us to be part of to the ends of the earth. He wants us to be a part of this. Um, next week, I'm going to share what I have. It's it's a message that I've I've had I've held in my hands since March that I want to share with you uh, as we recognize four years of ministry as the Porch Community Church. Um, and then the next week after that, on the 30th, the last Sunday of the month, we want to bless, you heard Justin mention this, we want to bless, bless, bless our educators. We're going we're gonna to lay hands on them, we're going to anoint them for the coming year. So we're going to do that together. Um, if you know an educator, would you invite them to be here that day? So I know you have all you educators out there or you have neighbors that are and they don't have a church, they don't have a place where they belong and you you know what the, you've heard what their struggles are. Invite them to be here. Let them hear the message of good news and let us bless them so they can walk in that blessing in this coming year. And then we're also, we want to equip our people. So there's opportunities to come, all right? And then, of course, Jesus' Life Weekend. There's just... There's some things on the, on the horizon, the very near horizon, and I want us to be people who have to the ends of the earth in our mind and understand that God wants to work in us. So let's pray together. Let's spend a little time in worship this morning, maybe, maybe leaning in a little bit more than, than we have been and going, oh, God, you, you've come for me. You've reached me. Lord, we come to you now, and, and we know, Lord, that you changed Peter's heart. <laughs> you changed his heart. His heart was for you, but his heart wasn't necessarily for all people. It wasn't. And you changed his heart. Would you change our heart too? Would you do that? Lord, we want to be pleasing to you. So would would we be pleasing to you, Lord, in everything that we do. God, we we want to love you more. You deserve our praise. You deserve our adoration. You've come for us. You've made a way for us. We see that here in Acts chapter 10. You come for us. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that you gave your life for us, that you lived for us, you died for us, you paid the price for us, you sacrificed for us, you live for us, and the message is for all. So for any that are here this morning, and they're just not sure, maybe they're like Cornelius, I don't know, I believe, but I don't know at all, would you hear today that there is a Savior, there is one who has given his life so that you may have true life, true life, not empty life, not sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and not, not I don't know what, what it means to be truly loved or to be truly forgiven, but Jesus has come to give life and fullness and meaning to your existence. It's the very reason you are created. And today all you have to say is, Jesus, I believe in you. Just like all those gathered at Cornelius' house. I believe. Thank you, Lord. And if that's that's what's working in your heart right now, would you please tell somebody today that that's what's working in your heart? God, you deserve our praise and our adoration. We give it to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.